welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. We're coming at you from Knock on HQ in Iowa. I've got some awesome, awesome buddies with me who are all here competing for the Knock on Longbeard Championship belt. I've got Andy Stumpf, Andrew Ahard, and Wesley Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Just going with your code name. There you go. Perfect. I like that. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Hit it. thank you everyone thank you thank you uh obviously we have some new equipment which is courtesy of the gear geek that's your technical name i just like to to keep up with new kardashians i don't know if that's possible (laughs) but when i see a new piece of gear come out it speaks to me so i have to acquire it andy gets more gadgets than anyone i know when it comes to electronics so he showed up with this new piece and you never know when he's going to kick in some kind of a uh sound effect that was the first sound effect of the day yep but uh where should we start should we start with the fact that how much turkey hunting sucks <laughs> let's start with that <laughs> andy has the worst i don't i can't even say last year i could honestly say you had the worst luck I saw a cow last year when we went turkey hunting. It stuck its head in the blind to the shoulders. Well, don't say we. You weren't with me. Like, don't. I was don't with Tyler. Throw that voodoo on me. Yeah, you were with Tyler, but we did well over where I was at. I mean, we shot shot three birds over on the land we drew. But awesome. It's weird how <laughs> wherever John is, birds are dying. Yeah, <laughs> Shocker. I, I just don't understand. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I think if someone said you're going to bring someone turkey hunting and it is your main job to give them the best turkey experience they could ever have, I don't think I could possibly have done anything to end up with the outcome of what Wes and I had the very first morning when you and Andy and Barklow couldn't make it. They were they were a day late getting in. and. Actually, Wes and Andy were going to go to that blind, and I was going to go in there and watch. So I went with Wes and just took a camera. And then, I don't know. It was the know. epitome of you should have been here yesterday. The guys that, <laughs> oh, the picture that, he showed me where there was you couldn't have walked without stepping on a turkey? Yeah, from 7 a, 7.30 a.m. to 11.45 but when we got out of the blind. There were no less than 20 birds in that field at all times. <laughs> yeah, I said, how many birds did you see? At least a hundred. <laughs> I'm like, I saw six. <laughs> yeah, the well for the for about a week and a half or two weeks before you guys came, uh, Jesse actually went out and put a bunch of cards out just for some recon. I was out of town, so he helped me out. And uh, man, the the stealth cams you could not have possibly asked for a better recon tool because when you guys came in, I was able to say like. Here's the birds that are hitting this plot. Here's when they're here in the morning. Here's when they're here in the evening. And honestly, they were very much like clockwork. And they were like clockwork. Until I showed up. Until you showed up. And now they're 
you know, I don't even know what to say, but they're, they've totally vanished. Is, was your uh, significant weather change week over week? Well, yeah. I mean, the it was a little, it was pretty cold the morning that Wes and I hunted, and there was a big cold front that came in. And what I think might have happened was when I looked back at those cards from the very first days when they were out like two and a half weeks ago, the birds were very concentrated where some spots were very sparse when there was action there but then as it progressed closer to the hunt there were equal birds in every spot and what i think happened was during that brief warm-up that we had last week i think the birds dispersed out and kind of left their main like wintering flock type uh, habit and they they broke up and they were in all these different spots where once that big cold snap happened again and well in minnesota there was snow here there wasn't snow but um i think wes and i just happened to be in the place where they all flocked up again yep and uh and then here we are we've had a yesterday was pretty nice today is not as nice but it's definitely not as bad as it was the morning that that wes and i had action so they certainly split back split up again yep yeah, so now we're, you know, when we left to come here to record, we're seeing birds in just random places out in different farm fields, and I think that's a sign that they're starting to break up, and then you're seeing some hens that are kind of popping out of the trees, but then they go back in, but then you see the same one, which I think there's already some hens sitting on nests. I think that's probably right. And so it's just one of those times where it could be – it could be how you would want it to be, but it all it could also be very frustrating. It's a lot like it's a lot like whitetail hunting during the the very first part of the rut. You know, everyone wants That's to sure. run out November first because it's November, it's the rut, and you can either have the best hunt of your life or you can not see anything. You can be in the like No, it's one of those where every every hunt you gotta change your strategy or at least be open to it. Because mm-hmm. right now we're struggling with what decoys to use what combination or no decoys, how to call. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday, a couple of birds didn't, I mean, they were just, just sort of oblivious to any type of calling. So yeah, and that could change this afternoon. Yeah. We, we, I started with just hens the first day and then the second day put a, uh, Jake out. Didn't really seem to change things, but I don't think I scared anything away because of that. I heard someone talking about have, having a strutter out and, and that had a negative impact. Yeah, Uh, Wes and I elected to go with just hens because what I was seeing on the cameras and the reason the reason I did this is because I was seeing on the cameras there was a couple flocks that were coming into these plots that would have two strutters in the flock, but the biggest bird would always either be like sixty or seventy yards away from that flock all by himself. Or he would be through there just at a random like point on a different time. And two of the birds that stood out was the double beard bird, which um funny enough, when I went back and looked through the through all my cards, that double beard bird was always up by you yeah, by himself. Go figure. Sorry. <laughs> um and then I'm pretty sure the biggest single bird that was down in our area was um was one of the ones that Wes had an opportunity at. And then there's, it seems like wherever there was a dominant bird during this last week where he had like the biggest beard and biggest spurs on, on the camera, 
he wasn't in the big group. He was kind of off still on his own. And that's, that's kind of how it goes in elk hunting. You know, they'll, they'll get together and start bugling. And you look at when we go up to Alberta, the bulls will start bugling and they'll start being with three or four or five cows, but it's like the raghorns, the, the big daddy's still like, they know it's not quite time and they're not going to, they're not going to spend time fighting. Yeah. That's the hardest, that transition time's absolutely the hardest to game plan for. Yeah. What do they say? Don't run down the hill. Walk down. <laughs> I think that's what the bull said. That's yes. what I'm saying. The smart bull. What, what do you? What, don't be touching anything, Andrew. What are you doing? Is it too loud for you? I think that deserved applause. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see what else you use that. Use that for the next episode I record for my podcast. We'll have a variety of probably. I need to get some machine gun fire on there. Some suppressed MP5 fire. How about yeah. some Nod light-ups? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's a smart for an electronic device to do that you're trying to sneak up on people with. Yeah, I think you need to get the empty chamber hammer drop, pin, like just ting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one. Wes, what do you think of, like, you know, you were successful, so it's, I know you're going to say it was awesome because of that, but how do you relate your previous turkey adventures versus this one and what do you think was there anything that was done differently so to speak that you think you would you would apply in in another hunt you know it's interesting so my other midwestern turkey experience has been in southwestern wisconsin and uh up there it's you're much more aggressive on calling and much more ready to move around and stuff like that and okay well this isn't working and so sort of taking what i've learned here is yesterday i I was fortunate enough to get a bird that I didn't even have a call in the blind. I was just sitting over a, a field. He came in, and, you know, the the other thing I've learned is that Dud has talked about, you know, if you blow these birds out, I mean, that a certain area, a certain spot, it's just done. So just covering a bunch of ground on your feet or something like that, I mean, he's going to do more harm than good when you think that, you know, because especially with the, where they are, not, are they are now, I think that you could be sitting in a blind, and you could be sitting in a blind this afternoon and just look up, and there's a, there's a, a tom right in front of them just because they just probably not going to happen but i like where your head's at <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's i mean and so it just with that strategy is just sort of making me sort of second guess like in the future trying to be more sort of in, less invasive as far as my footprint in the area you know yeah well in at least in the areas that i've hunted i've i've never really had places that were massive to where if you blow out a section that's as big as the farm, you know, we're putting four guys right now. We're putting four guys on a farm to where each guy really has, you know, about 70 acres. And, you know, if you, if you ever go on a 70 acre piece, you can walk around a 70 acre piece really fast. And if you blow them out, um, which today you and I just went for a walk on, on a, in a completely different area. And we ended up jumping, a couple hens and a gobbler that were just, you know, they were in some brush there. And those hens, I mean, they would have easily flown out of your area, oh, you yeah. know, if yeah. you were there. And that's what makes public hunting really hard, too, is you have to go to the birds. And I think if you have a shotgun, it's a definitely a different scenario. If you have a shotgun, you can go there, uh, you know, essentially bushwhack them. You can crawl in. You're not really having to draw your bow back. And it it's a different thing. Um, yeah, the other thing is that, you know, it was sort of midday when I got my bird yesterday. 
You know, it was, it a was time, after midday. Yeah, it was sort of a, it was sort of a time when you really you'd be sort of back at the at the at the camp normally. For, for my experience, Bert yeah, because it was four o'clock. Yeah, it was. I think it was like three thirty when they came out, and about four when I. Yeah. So. So if I was showing up, if I was walking into the blind like at a normal time, I would have blown them out for mm-hmm. sure. It's a very very similar mindset, is what I believe keeps me successful as a whitetail hunter here in the midwest is just very very low imprint high patience i mean it's it's tough to do but i don't know i think if you ever really sat back and did the math on it and you looked at i'm going to sit in this one spot for this amount of time before i move around and then do that a few days in a row in spots where you know that you're seeing some traffic but even if you can't really put your finger to the exact hour I think overall it just plays way more in your favor than than moving out because for sure turkeys just they don't accept pressure big whitetails don't either yep you know and that's kind of the big thing yeah that for me that has been a changed amount of time we're spending out there but it's it's uh you can't shoot them back at camp and come in have a quick lunch and stay out there the birds are around you just have to wait them out yep speaking of lunch i was we've had some unreal eats oh my god i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to today what's on the agenda for tonight i'm gonna do that uh i've got a 12 pound uh ribeye roast (laughs) <laughs> what are the rest of the guys going to have? <laughs> well, and then we're also going to do a, we've got Wes's turkey uh, marinating right now. I've got it in uh, two cans of blood orange kill cliff and three key lime, or uh, yeah, three limes squeezed in there for a little added citric acid. And we're going to slice that and put it on a, um, into a oriental cashew salad for kind of our side, nice. which will be good. My voice is shot, everybody. I, it was uh, one of those deals where I thought I had avoided the entire winter and all of the trade show crud and plane flu or whatever else was going around. And I'm in the free and clear, and then one day it hits like 68 degrees. All of a sudden I just lose my voice, and this uh, super irritating cough rolls in. I don't want to talk about turkey hunting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, Andy, you're, you're lucky. Stupidest <laughs> activity I've ever done in my life. At, le- at least, like, you know, you, at, at, down in South Texas this this year, you really just smoked dud on as far as success. <laughs> the, the, that was the only time I'd ever seen it happen. You know? That's probably, yeah, Andy, it's Andy, the only Andy time you're ever missed. going to see it happen. <laughs> Do tell. I'm not aware of the details. <laughs> well, we, we, went, uh, we went hunting in South Texas, Andy and I, and Andy – Andy tagged out, and I did not. Um, he could not go anywhere without. It's <laughs> pretty ridiculous. He, every <laughs> single place he went, it, I'm like, "What'd you see?" I saw this, and I was I was trying to key in on some deer that you had on camera, and yep. um, I I I got completely just taken to school by but these. Get bucks. A, there's another aspect of this though too that's different, right? So he was very specific about a particular animal, and I am not. So I'm, when I'm, I was with the guide, he would say, what do you think about that? I'm like, yes. 
what do you I'm think about a doe? Yeah, what do you think about a doe? Yes. <laughs> doesn't the whole thing is enjoyable to me? And then we would come back to where they were with the truck, and you'd see Dudley like peeking his head over, and he'd just shake his head. He's like, <laughs> "You need to stop." <laughs> I loved it for you, though. I think it's good for you know you're in a you're in a great position right now where you're super motivated, and you know you for. I guess in some ways you're limited on your schedule. You, you know, you're you do pick and choose the things that you go to. Yeah, with me, to. whereas you know, I'm I'm able to do it a little bit more just because we have you know different main careers as our as our main job. But I I love seeing places where people like yourself who have to pick and choose their adventures can have really high volume of you know excitement during that course of time where. For me, I think I think it would have been easy to to fall into that same type of thing too. But for you're, my you're situation, you're in a different place though too. With how long you've been a bow hunter? Well, it was just circumstance of that buck that we were hoping I would see. I think I saw him. I saw him, and <laughs> and he. I saw him, and he he pegged you know he pretty much pegged us and then from then on it got personal yeah so. you, you saw him just enough to keep you around yeah you know, where you're like okay I, I think i could get him yeah well when it gets personal with you it gets a little wild too like the last night of the or the last afternoon of the hunt we did the other hunt in south texas where i was gonna shoot a sheep until they all died geez andy how did they all die well there was one that kept busting us and we called him sniper and he was the first to go and he was the leader of the pack and i wasn't there i just kept getting texts this one's down that one's down and i'm just sitting there like okay i'm looking at a bush (laughs) and uh yeah it got personal and then it got real for those animals (laughs) well i think it's fun to to get that way um today wes and i were walking around a property that I got permission to hunt and you know he we were talking and I just said what I like what I really like about coming here is I don't do any type of recon I just come here put some stands up when the time's right and just kind of just go for it you know there's no I don't know what I'm hunting I'm just putting time in a tree and you know, if something comes by where I'm like, man, this situation is really cool. I liked, you know, I like how he came in and trashed that tree or I like, you know, his demeanor around other, you know, it's just, you wait for that thing where you're like, this is a memory that I haven't had before. And I really want to remember it. This is for me, this is a really cool buck to take. And I like that. I like, I like the element of the unknown sometimes. And, um, I think that's another element that's important for some people too. The tracking deer over years and years and years to where they like have names and you're so intent on that. Sometimes I feel like people miss out on everything else that's kind of going on around their area because they're so into this one deer. And I've just I've just got to the point where I don't really I don't really feel that way when it comes to like score or something like that i I might feel that way well i do feel that way when something outsmarts me then that's what (laughs) that's 
like that's when someone makes the challenge you know it's not you know that that's when someone steps forward and says all right it's me and you mano y mano and i'm okay which is what happened on that trip i think i went to a different blind every time with like a different guide and dad's like i think he's gonna come back <laughs> oh yeah and then west be like you know what do you think about going to race like I think he's going to be back tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I was just traveling around. And I mean, honestly, I was stepping on horseshoes the whole time. Like, we, it was ridiculous. Uh, there was animals at every single one. And yeah, it was just awesome. And I actually, it's the, I think the first time I made it, like every single shot, every arrow I fired was yep. successful. Oh, that's awesome. No, but I totally agree that what you're talking about, about how there's no cameras, you don't know what's going to come out and, and how it can affect. Because my hunting background primarily is in South Texas at a very high highly managed highly controlled ranch and so i I, if i go into if i'm going to a blind i have a very good idea of every mature buck that's in the area you're looking for bob yeah exactly and and, and (laughs) as a result from a hunting perspective i have to sort of check myself sometimes because a hunt can be classified as a disappointment if such and such deer didn't come out or if this buck didn't come out meanwhile it was super active and if i'm if i'm guiding or something like that like the person that i'm guiding is like oh that's great you know but in my head i'm like well no because we didn't i know x y and z are here why didn't we see them and now if you're hunting low fence or sort of super open country and stuff like that i mean stuff can come out and you could have a completely you could see less animals but it'd be in your head it's a much more successful hunt just because it's all a surprise you know and so i really think there's a lot of value to that because you can just sort of you know, you just sort of get too wrapped up in it for sure. Yeah, that's what I like. I, li- I like the Midwest because, you know, I guess, one, I like being able to to groom the land and tailor the land. I really, I really had a lot of fun prepping for you guys to come here because I knew there was a few areas where I had to do some control burns, and I knew if I burned them, it would kind of force some birds to a different area for a little while and then some of the plots that i had in the fall i knew that if i you know reseeded certain plots it would kind of key stuff to different areas and um you know i think doing stuff like that like being i don't know kind of being a steward to the land as a way to prepare for you know a hunt but also doing it in a way where it you're really doing a lot for the environment or the, you know, less, at least the nature that's in your area. <coughs> I just really get a kick out of that. It's got to the point where I enjoy that part the most. And I feel like it makes it more rewarding if I, if I'm able to shoot something on a place where you've put, you know, cause you have sweat equity into it. Absolutely. So it's just, there's more value to it that way. 100%. Yeah. And I've got a small place in Wisconsin and, when I first bought it, it was complete timber, no food, no no fields, and we brought in the dozers and we put in the food plots. and it Takes a few years to get the soil just right, and you know you shoot that first deer off of that that new plot you put in it. It's really rewarding. It really is. I bet. When did you um, when did you first start kind of noticing knock on Andrew? Probably three years ago. I've seen the show. But when I really... When we were on the network? Correct. Okay. And then what really keyed me in was the education. Um, I was that guy that was annoyed when my peep site turned, when my peep turned, and I had to go to the shop. I think everybody's that guy. You know. (laughs) Have you had it come out yet? (laughs) Because that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Well... uh, (laughs) 
But that, that's when I really started to pay attention. And I'm not the most mechanical guy in the world, but, you know, I view some of your educational video sort of as you've got the school of knock sort of focused on the shooting. But initially what really was exciting was the, um, oh, it was in the TV segment where you broke down, okay, now you're taking your bow, you're setting it up. The dead center segments? Yeah. Or the field recon segments? Yeah, you know, you just start. You're taking your bow out of the box. you got to make sure your cams are good. Before then, you're going to make sure that here's how you put on the string. Here's how you tie in your knock. You just went through all of the segments. And, and that was really, really helpful. And then the, 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 the arrows. I build, you know, my entire crew of buddies. I'm the arrow guy now. <laughs> well, awesome. three years ago, four years ago, I would run to the shop. I'm like, damn! I shot off. I shot off another fletch. Got to take it to the shop, <laughs> and yeah. uh, so that's how I was introduced to it. And uh, in the end, quite frankly, a real good buddy of mine just had a the worst case of target panic I have ever encountered. A dear buddy of mine, stop shooting! Literally, stop shooting! And I'm like. What can he do? So I started sort of figuring it out, and that's when I saw one of your early videos on the back tension mm-hmm. and how it's a tool. So I bought one for myself just to get the vibe. He came to my house, and I said, take my bow, try this. It was a three-finger uh, evolution. Yeah. He pulled that thing back, and he, it, it was like a Christmas miracle. Really? And that quick? Yeah, immediately. So I said, this is now yours. And put him in touch on the videos, and uh, he's a savage with a bow now. And that's, you know, I sent you a letter saying, hey, thanks. And, uh, um, you know, that, that's, that's where that first communication came from, is like the, it, it really changed uh, his attitude towards archery. Dudley's dying. <laughs> yeah, he's currently choking. <coughs> where does that level, Sorry, everyone. Where does that extreme level of target panic come from? I don't know. I've never looked for it. I don't want to. Yeah. No, no, not. I'm not asking how somebody would develop it. Well, I, I guess I am to a degree. I mean, you're talking about like they're holding it out and they're just like they cannot physically fire it. I've like suffered. They can't hold on. Tar- I, I just don't understand it's a, it. It's a. It's a. I personally think it's. It's a fear of. I don't know. People say it's a fear of missing, but it's more like a fear of hitting because you're afraid to cover the object. With the pin? Mm-hmm. Dudley's dying again. You know, and it. I think where I've seen it is, if you're somebody that picks up your bow a week before the season and you sight in and you go to shoot, you're not going to get it. Yep. The, the, the people that I put run the, into that suffer in. from it are actually the ones that are really focused and trying to develop a good practice and trying to develop good skills. It almost seems like the more you shoot, the more apt you're going to get hit with it. Well, what did it mani- manifest manifest itself like in your buddy? Uh, we shot a lot. We yeah. would shoot probably three, four days a week. We would do leagues. and uh, His uh, accuracy started decreasing? Oh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, he, he, the poor guy, would, would, he would have had a hard time hitting a block target from 15 yards. And, no and kidding. There were really strange things uh, with him. He's a good shot. I mean, a really good shot. And he'd get back, and he'd line up, and, you know, he'd put that nose to touch. And as soon as he got lined up and squared up and got that, 
it, it all hell would break loose. Yeah, it's like the it's like the yips in baseball. You know? Yep. Chuck Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw the ball to <laughs> first base from second. You know, it's similar. I mean, I've had it with with the rifle in a to where I growing up, I was I had a lot of experience hunting with the rifle and stuff like that. When I was, I want to say early twenties or something like that, I, I just sort of like it just sort of got into my head for a season or two to where it just like you're almost scared to get that 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 opportunity to shoot because you're just like you knew you're gonna blow it somehow <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. that sounds like, like a great headspace no, yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's an awesome place to like yeah. just like dread hunting trips but um it's a psychological thing oh, 100%. It, it manifests itself and then it compounds and compounds on itself and it gets worse and then it becomes it just it be, it gets to the point where you know it's gonna happen and you're almost embarrassed by it so you're thinking about not wanting to do it so much that you do it because you're thinking about doing it and then you know you miss a few and it it just it continues to grow on itself and then it's it's a vicious it's a really really vicious cycle sounds terrible i've never had it where i've i mean i've had it where i where it was during brief periods of time where i'd go through a tournament and all of a sudden i would just start punching a trigger on one target and then the you miss and then you feel like well now i need to make up points so you're that much more intent on being like perfect the next time so you're just like you know trying to force it to happen and then it seems like the deeper you go the more intense that urge gets and it's uh it's a it's a fear you know it's a it's just a, a major form of anxiety that is super high to where, you know, you could really argue that you almost could. Some people I've seen where it's so much to where you can't really, you can't really fix it just by giving them a video to watch or, um, or, or even giving them the right tool. You have to, you have to be there to, to to talk to them as you see these these gears turning in their head because it it becomes a physical emotion that you can see their anxiety building up to where the tension is getting so high that you know they're getting ready to break down and you have to be like everything's okay you know this is you're perfectly fine this looks good and you have to have they need like an outside motivation which what you're describing is the opposite <laughs> training methodology we use and <laughs> 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 where we look for that environment and just say don't fuck this up <laughs> if you miss this shot your career's over it's not a big deal <laughs> well it's a different kind of motivation the, yeah, yeah the, the, or training methodology the lucky part about your your area is, you know, you you could filter people out, and if if they did actually collapse and couldn't take that, then you know you're going to find someone that would. Most of the training was to try to get people to that point and to see what they would do. If you think about it in the abstract, yeah, it's like all right, let's stress somebody out and then give them requirements, and if you can't stay to the procedure and complete the requirements, then we'll find another job for you. Well, did you ever have times where you put blank rounds in people's things where the more they missed, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse? Or uh, Blanks don't necessarily work. The best are like dummy rounds, especially well, with that's what pistols. I mean. Yeah, well, it, what it exposes is uh, just the smashing of the trigger. 
Well, that's or it. the anticipation. I mean, that's it. It's just on a, it's on a different weapon, but oh, that yeah. is it. I mean, would you have people that would be hitting the trigger before their barrel would even be up? We would have people that could meet the accuracy requirement, but when you threw that dummy round in, you realized how poor their mechanics actually were. Mm. Like they were <clears throat> able to get it inside of the A zone or whatever it is, but they'd have a dummy round come in and, you know, they'd, they'd press or more than likely slap the trigger on a empty on an empty chamber because the dummy and it's just yeah. see that anticipation is like and you have to talk them like you realize you're doing that with the live rounds too you're just getting away with it because the target is close enough that you're you're managing that anticipation but if you were to fix that imagine how good your accuracy would be but this is like much later on like you, the, none of that's occurring in training you know what's funny though is there's certain people that when they came from your background you can you can almost make them <clears throat> overcome that by by heck you know heckling them in a way because they're like okay i gotta i freaking gotta do this you know i gotta do this most of the Some guys will respond better from my background will respond better to uh appropriate doses of uh negative reinforcement and competition well yeah and that that's a that's a perfect <laughs> way to say it because i was gonna um i was gonna relate chantosh um so tosh is he did some huge race in in new zealand didn't he it was like 15 days i don't know what was that race he just did it could have been anything from five miles to 500 yeah whatever wearing, whatever it was it was i think yeah. it difficult. was i don't think it was like my i think it was days i think the mileage was not the thing i think it was days but anyway he came back and two weeks ago he sent me a message he's like all right dude i'm back starting the school knock day one week one so he sends me progress reports and he sends me this thing and he's like is there any way i can like move my site just a little bit because he said all my groups are right at the bottom of the dot and he sends me the pictures of all of his groups at the bottom of the dot and i just said were you holding at the bottom of the dot and he's like yeah, I don't really like to cover it up. <laughs> so what you're saying is your arrows are impacting exactly where you're holding. That's awesome. So, I I mean, for him, I just said, like, cover the dot, bitch, or don't text me back. And Is it groupings will immediately improve? Yeah, and then next, next thing you know, he's like, okay, got that figured out. And, you know, and he kind of just, yep. he... Uh, he's one of those per those people where he'll he sent me uh the next picture he sent me was i think he had just missed a robin hood but he shot like an arrow through his veins and he's like things are really coming together and i'm like if that's not a robin hood don't send me a picture <laughs> <laughs> he's like perfect response <laughs> yeah, yeah. good is never good enough oh of course um but yeah some people are really coachable that way but honestly a lot of people, you can make them get to the point of your friend where a little bit, it's something that they're really, really struggling with, and it's with something that they truly enjoy, and that makes it hard. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to run people away from archery, and this is a, a ser you know, it's a real problem, and most people can really benefit just from, when they shoot a silverback for the first time, the number of people that are veteran archers that think they know what a surprise shot is but they they do the all the steps for the silverback and then 
like that first shot goes off, the amount of times I've had people just look at me and they're like, whoa. Uh, they're like, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking of all the people that I've let borrow mine to include family members. That yep. is the only word that comes out of their mouth every time after the first shot. Yep. They look at you and they go, whoa, that felt different. Yeah. Mm. There's no question about it. And I think once you can identify that, then you have a standard by which you say, okay. Um, and I've I've told people, I'm like, so if you've never felt that before, <clears throat> don't tell yourself you have target panic because a lot of people are, I have target panic, I have target panic. And they throw the word around so much yeah, that, it, sure. that they end up talking themselves into Yeah, it. they self-induce <laughs> this thing. Yeah, that tar- Meanwhile, tar- the psychologist <laughs> is in the room with us, which he probably could have talked us through this from a psychological point of view uh, way better than us. My dad's in here, everybody. Um, we, he, yep, he, his throat's not, he, his voice isn't good. He's pointing at me, blaming me. Yep. He's using <laughs> the army hand signals. Yeah. yeah. He's that was, good. I walked over here and I got a bucket and brought it home with me. <laughs> Is yeah. that what that was? <laughs> yep. And the double that thumbs was, up. Yep. Double, you're number one. Really yeah. good podcast material, for sure. Double number ones, but... um did I ever tell you about my uncle double clutching with the silverback, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life? <laughs> That's got to be good on the old shoulder tendons. <laughs> I'm so pissed at myself that I because I was filming a lot of stuff because yeah. he's oh you have told me about this yeah. a notoriously a wild man and yeah. was doing some pretty interesting things. So I'd film it here and there, and I'd give him a silverback. I had given it to him before, and he had shot with it, and obviously. He was going from a wrist rocket, and I was like, keep your thumb on the safety as you draw back. And I would stand there and say, keep your thumb on it, keep your thumb on it, keep your Mm -hmm. thumb on it. (laughs) Oh, So he got to full draw, and it was a classic. He's like, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, but the arrow was moving forward. Yeah. (laughs) Because his his shoulder was just, he was pulling his shoulder into his ear. (laughs) And I'm sitting there watching, and in my head I'm like, yes. (laughs) Like, where's my camera? He's like, I'm going to have to let down. I tell him, like, put your thumb on the safety. And he does, but, and it comes, like, it, it grabs him and he tries to pull it back and his thumb comes off. And he fired this thing, like, three feet in front of his feet. And it skipped <laughs> off into space with dust. And I was on the ground laughing for at least 30 <laughs> minutes. I'm so upset I didn't have a video camera on. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, Wes has an interesting story from a, let's just call it a family member who. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who follow the knock-on custom builds, the build that was named Dope was built very specifically for Wes, and it was shooting awesome. Amazing. And then... I'd had it for about a week. And then I get this text. <laughs> and uh, somebody who will remain nameless was interested in trying out the old thumb release, the new, my new bow, this and that, which I, I, I shouldn't have done from the beginning because my draw length is much longer than his. Um, so it, it just was bad news from the start. But <laughs> imagine if you have a knock to it, pulling back, and I'm like, okay, just you know, just be relaxed. You know, you don't have to just yank it back. You know, try to pull the wheels off or anything like that. <laughs> and he was a little too relaxed because right when the cams were about to turn over, it just launch that knock to it about 300 <laughs> feet per second into the riser <laughs> boom <laughs> so this brand new bow that i was just super pumped about like just the, the cables 
got a, like a direct hit. The riser got a direct hit, and that knocked to it split completely in half. Yeah, I mean, it was the most direct hit, full force, right. Yeah. In the worst possible place of the back of the riser. So so this person then handed the what was left of the bow back to me. He's like, you know, I think that I like the, the, the wrist strap. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, there's, there is a learning curve. And some of that goes back to when, back when they first started handing wrist strap releases to people. And my dad in the room, I remember the first handheld release that they had. Do you remember that old plastic handheld release? It was like Cobra. I think it was a Cobra that we had. And it was the same sort of thing. You know, people were so used to shooting finger tabs that they would pull this thing back because I think the, those only had like two or three fingers. Those for, They were three because everyone was used to using finger tabs. So they would clip these on, and they figured since everyone was used to pulling with finger tabs, you know, you had this release, and you'd pull it back. And then the amount of travel in that trigger was, like, off the charts. It was like an inch of travel to get it to fire. And, you know, people would just start letting go of those, too. So then they they brought the wrist strap out. And I remember the first shop I went into, you know, they, they'd have me pull back and... <laughs> look through the peep sight and then they would just say well just get the pin on the target and then just hit the trigger and those little keywords just start to multiply in your brain you know you just hit the trigger hit the trigger and you know i think if you add that in with you know a bunch of people around you talking about target panic or then someone's like hey man you look like you got target panic and then <laughs> it's uh it manifests you know, it's this little seed that drops in and then everyone starts watering it. And then a lot of people water it themselves. Um, For, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, something that I've seen a lot of times that I, I definitely feel for those, it's, I've experienced it as well, is you spend a lot of money and a lot of time sort of all year long. You know, maybe you have one hunt that you get to go on a year. Yeah. And you have one opportunity and you, you know, you spend all this time in the backyard shooting or something like that, and when the opportunity comes, somehow you blow it, mm-hmm. and that and, and that that starts it. That that starts an avalanche that is tough yeah. to deal with, you know. Because I've I've hunted whitetails, you know, a specific buck or something like that. That for put in the hours and hours and hours, and then finally when you get the shot, you know, you just like completely blow it. Like there's no excuse. You're just like, oh my god. And then, so you have the entire <laughs> you have the entire off season to like retrace that whole thing through mm-hmm. your head. You know, it's just like and that, that's tough. Yeah. What was so odd about my buddy's uh, case? I'd cite his bow in for him, and he would hunt. He never missed a deer. Wow. He was. He says I wouldn't think about flinching or punching the trigger if there's an animal in front of me i'm solid Interesting. that's good well in a lot of ways that's kind of like when i brought that bow to you and we did lessons that day i could tell you were a little bit like kind of i don't know if, if you were a baseball player or a golfer i'd say you were like waggling in the batter's box so to For speak. sure it was not my not and my comfort i zone. could i could tell you were like trying and i'm thinking maybe i'm giving him too much because he's you know i could tell you weren't settled in and then you looked at me and you go you know what i just realized you said i've never really thought about my feet because wes has grown up 
shooting out of hunting blinds. Like he's definitely shot. <laughs> I, I think I told you, I don't know if this is true or not, I might have more attempts on animals than on targets. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that trying to actually think about something was definitely, you know, it was new. It was very new to me. It made me, it, you know, I have a fortunate enough to have a lot of experience um, in the hunting world. But, yeah, having to sort of go through a step, you know, step by step, trying to make sure everything feels right. And then you immediately diagnosing just this horrible anchor position that I had. And I was just like, oh. Okay, but then it, you know it really works, you yeah. know? and it really culminated yesterday with that shot I had on the turkey, which was just sort of going through the sort of the steps instead of just sort of like pulling back and letting it rip, you know. Plus, you were sitting down; you're back in your <laughs> sweet spot. I told him that <laughs> sitting <laughs> down in a redneck blind, like, geez, give me give me a gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they had a uh, a seated redneck blind full medal match in oh, the yeah. World Games, give me that one. <laughs> Wes is signing <laughs> for up sure. for that. Um. Well, what was there anything different, I guess, in the last three or four months that you did archery-wise where you think that it'll really, even though you've had a lot of success as a hunter, um, do you think there's stuff that would that's going to really carry over into being, I guess, more successful now that some, 100%. or do you think it's like things that you wouldn't have thought about before and now, now you're thinking about too much, or do you think? No, I think it's a balance. You know, I love long-range shooting, and... Long range shooting is one of those things. It's similar to archery in that there's a lot of stuff going on that you can get sort of overwhelmed with some uh, somewhat quickly. And if you just if you you know put the work in on a on a target stuff like that with archery, I mean you can get to the point to where you know when it feels right. And mm-hmm. I, you know we pulled back on that. I pulled back on on a bird that I didn't get a shot off on. But what had happened was I'd pulled back and was anchoring and I was wearing a, a face mask and I never pulled back and anchored with a face mask on and immediately felt weird. You know, I was like, oh, man, like, something's up, like, where I'm not anchored right, and then, you know, that sort of can cascade into, like, you know, you're sending arrows a foot over your target, something that, you know, at least has for me in the past. Yeah. But, no, you know, yesterday was just a, I had a lot of time to sort of think about what I was doing, and then I, it was, I was able to sort of get comfortable, think about everything that you told me. Obviously, the feet part, which is, I didn't have to worry about that because I was sitting, <laughs> down, sitting down, but just the bubble, back tension, with the release, the anchor on my, you know, with my fingers on my jaw, feeling <laughs> it, I just felt really good, you know, to where, like, I, I'm much more, in the past, I've been much more of an ex- instinctual hunter, you know, that's to sort of been to my de- detriment and to, you know, it's benefited me as well, but to actually go through the process to actually sort of, like, perform a shot was awesome. Mm-hmm. I've never done that before, you know. Because you knew everything was in check. Did you say and you, I, I told you, you before I shot, I was like, this is going to work, you know, which is, for it was like, you know, on the animal and stuff like that, I just had supreme confidence that the shot was going to work. And, um, you know, it was a little bit longer than what I would normally shoot a turkey at, but it was, I just felt really good about it. And sure enough, it worked out. You took a few dry runs too. I did. They'd come out, you know, but much, a little bit further away and was sort of drawn back. And when they first came out, I was drawn back and the, couldn't see the bird behind the pin. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I got to let them, got to let them come. I didn't want to bottom out, bottom out the dial and, you know, just the first shot of the afternoon. But the, uh, you know, they started coming in, and I was drawn back, and I felt strong. My shoulders felt strong to the point to where it was just like, you know, okay, well, the, the pin float was just right, and I was just able to control it, and I just kept looking at the bubble because Annie and I had been talking about the night before 
sort of just that bubble will sneak up on you and bite you when you don't want it mm-hmm. to. You know? It really will. <laughs> it's, it's Quickly. Like you can do everything right, and you forget that one little thing, and it's just not fun. But uh, so Especially I just kept, at distance. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Or so, angles. Yeah, and I kept looking at the bubble, and I was like, okay, like this is good. And like sure, I'd let down. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to let them come on in. And I was like, you know what? That felt good. You know, so yeah. I drew back, let it, let it go, and it just like it was one of those shots where, you know, you just – it was, it was just sort of a culmination of the past few months of just sort of what I've thought about watching your videos and all that stuff. And it was like, okay, wow, this is like, you know, this is, it's, it's real lessons. It applies in sort of real world, real world scenarios. So it was, it was a very cool experience. In addition to the, the technical help you've gotten from John, I would imagine in the last three, four months, have your reps gone up dramatically? Oh, 100%. See, that that's the key piece, too. You can watch all the videos in the world. You can have really talented people like John give you guidance. But if you're not if you're not putting in the reps, yep. it's just not going to do you any good. Yeah, that's what's so amazing about that school of knock stuff. I'm not on Instagram that much, but just <laughs> following that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff exactly but no just seeing the commitment to these people and their willingness to share it and then obviously you're the time that you put into just a comment and say hey you know great job or something like that but there's there's just a few guys where you just like look at their instagram page or something like that and it's just like every every week you know step one step two step three it, 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 and really putting in going after it and it's just like it's a super cool thing because yeah like all that stuff is you you have more experience than probably just about anybody that i know and uh the fact that you're willing to share that and give it in this sort of a palatable sense is just a very cool thing. But yeah, that that video that came out, which thanks Andy, that, that I didn't know what you had said on camera, but it was it was touching. Um, it was so awesome that when that Killcliff crew came in and did that, that they because we didn't know we didn't know them. You know, they they came in and I had worked with them before, but, but I mean. I did. I didn't. They just kind of yeah. came in and and shadowed. They shadowed kind of a few days in in just our routines, and then just from them shadowing and hearing Sharon and I and what we talk about and seeing what we deal with at the store and things like that, or I think they realized that we really are about a community. We're we're like we're so i don't know we're we're completely sold and invested in the fact that we have a community and we're not you know we don't feel like we don't necessarily feel like we're a brand we just we feel like we're a community and we keep supporting the community with things that allow me to to come up with new subjects or you know in some ways i think new improvements you know i try to come out with stuff if 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 i want to if I want a product that isn't really out there, it's like, well, can this, if we did this product, could it be something that we could have with others? And if, you know, if the answer is yes, then, then I make the investment to, to do it and put it forward. And, um, it's a really, really unique thing. I mean, everybody that's sitting here, everybody that's sitting here isn't anyone from my past or my competitive background. I mean, in some form or another, all of you are here just because of somehow you found knock on in a way or found, you know, or, or wanted that information trail. And then, you know, and then it just kind of, I don't know, led us all on this path. And then once again, here's another camp where 
Um, Barklow's not here, by the way. He's here, but he's out in a blind right now. Um, putting in work. Yeah, he's putting in work. He's doing one of th- two things, either hunting turkey or something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows what he's doing. But uh, and w- we'll get him on here. We'll get him on a podcast before he leaves. But um, I remember all I found, of us are different. I all- found knock-on through a post originally before I ever met you. Joe posted a picture of a silverback hanging on an arrow on his elk target at his house. And I was like, what the hell is this thing? And that's how I f- got my first silverback. And that's how, because I asked Joe, I'm like, what, what is that? It's like, oh, you got to get one. <laughs> okay. It's like, I have like six. I'm like, of course you have six, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on to the knock-on website. They were in stock, so I probably timed it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Ordered one, got it, and had absolutely no clue how to use it. Figured out on my own, and then Joe reconnected us when I was asking you about my D loop. Yep. And then that's how we originally got in contact. But it was through Joe, just a picture. That was what originally got me to the knock on site the first time. And wh- what about you, Andrew? Um, the first connection. Yeah. Do you remember? I wrote you a thank you letter. But how did you find? How did you find the very first? Oh, um, I'm just constantly out you know, on the internet trying to find archery information and things like that. So I was aware of the show and then, um, it kind of funnels. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's good because I guess I'm no genius at like organizing it to do that. It's yeah. hard to go on a late night YouTube rabbit hole of archery topics without <laughs> oh, running stumbling upon some knock on. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's not impossible actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Wes yeah. is the, I well, I think you have the the biggest skill at YouTube rabbit holes than oh, anybody. It's I well know. practiced. Have you gone down the Steven Seagal rabbit hole on YouTube? I've not. I'm waiting to to be learned by you. <laughs> Nobody could go deeper down that rabbit hole. No, you can't. Well, I mean, you know, I have, <laughs> I love playing guitar, and I have seen his blues jams. Yeah. Know, have you seen the ones where he's the his key, his fingering is not linked up to the music? Hundred percent. And I mean, like, <laughs> you, you could you could you could do tactical asshole, but for guitar playing of Steven Seagal. <laughs> as far he's as like, hey, what's, what's going on here? You know, my favorite aspect of it is that it applies. Like, I could do Law and Order, I could do Firemen, Cops. Oh, military, yeah. archery, like we still need to do Robin Hood. We're all gonna get, we were talking about with Twight. We're gonna get dressed up in men in tights, and we're gonna watch <laughs> Robin Hood and just crush it. Oh, yeah, it's I don't e- think equal Twight's opportunity in men in tights. Yeah, <laughs> it's fully equal opportunity because somewhere out there in every genre, there is a tactical asshole hiding in plain sight. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Andrew, what uh, what would stick out in your mind if we made you watch like Law and Order? Is there anything that sticks out that's just like? Or the Ev- firm. The An- firm is accurate, right? Is that a documentary? Uh, Andrew's an awesome, yeah, no, a, awesome it, trademark attorney, by the way. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing is I work in such a niche area that you you don't often see it in, in, in TV shows, right? Law and order, criminal things. Um, that's just not where I play. It has to be atrocious, though, regardless. It's Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, some of the things people get away with. The, the ethical calls, the relationships <laughs> with judges, you know, <laughs> things like that. Oh, uh, for sure. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It, there, there isn't a professional. There isn't a profession where there isn't a tactical asshole. <laughs> no, definitely not. Somebody should make a shirt. <laughs> I've yeah, it's a, it's becoming. It's a, it's a modern day proverb. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. 
Yeah, I don't know where it's going to go, but it's going to involve Steven Seagal. Well, and you know, it's just at least for a short time. (laughs) (laughs) You're guaranteed. You're guaranteed just content generation just by the world turning another day. Yeah, just it's out there. It's actually scary how much of it is out there. Oh my gosh! I'm actually going to try to strike a balance between this. You'll die if you do this. Yeah, and this is the right way to do it. Yeah, because I don't want it to be completely negative. Even well, that's actually a lie. I do want it to be completely (laughs) negative. I think it'll be more received if it has some aspects of positivity. Like, hey, look at this. This is a good example. Yeah, the picture I posted this morning was good. It's a guy shooting AK-47 sideways with a life jacket on. Yeah, I mean, strong. Yeah, hundred percent. It's classic. Oh, he had uh, welding gloves on too. Yeah, oh, that's good. That'll help with you know did he cut, put any potential did, barrel did changes. He, did, he, did he cut his trigger <laughs> finger clear? Or uh, uh, you couldn't see. Couldn't see. There it. was a piece of brass yeah, yeah. flying back though. I love building AR-15s for my friends. I'm, obviously, I live in Texas. For those wondering what state that type of activity occurs in, but the um, I'm thinking about doing a build for a friend of mine with the backwards EOTech front sight on in the, you know the in Inver- iron, yeah. iron, inverted iron, uh, you know iron sights and then just sort of going and doing that intro range session and just sort of waiting for that like hey you know like i don't know if this is working as well as, <laughs> as you think or if there's just nothing said at all like oh great gun man i love it I, <laughs> or what you should do is give it to him let him take it home and see how long it, before he figures it out so yeah. the eotech thing is like a virus i have yeah. at least 40 pictures on my phone of yeah. people in the real world Oh, with their sure. EOTechs on backwards. And I've never looked at it from that side. I need to. I, we, we, we need to. Yeah, for two reasons. One, I know how to use it. And two, it comes with an instruction manual. <laughs> exactly. So I need to. I don't even know if the holographic reticle appears if you're looking well, it, at it the it, other way. It, it can't, in my opinion, no military like grade optic would will, allow, will you, to allow you to do that. But just from, you know. Secure, you know, personal security. Because I mean, there's like cheaper red dots where you can. That just means people are slapping an optic on and rolling around with like on max. They must be on max brightness. You know? Not like, even that. They, they, I mean, lead, lends me to believe they never shot it. Oh yeah. They just slap it on. They go pose for Instagram and then they roll around thinking that they're you know, yeah. John Rambo 3.0. You could start an off-brand Wes, and like instead of Rogue Tactical, yeah. which. If anyone wants a really, really super legit custom builds with an EOTech that, on properly, yeah, yeah well, then, well, it depends. Then, <laughs> then go to Rogue Tactical if you want one with an EOTech on backwards and yeah. front sight, rear sight inversion with a with a yeah. uh, rear facing magazine. Then go to Rag Tactical. <laughs> yeah, Rag Tactical, <laughs> where we specialize in the RMRs behind the aim yeah. points <laughs> the or Cunt Arms, which <laughs> yeah. is a legitimate company. Yeah, that's K U N T, and they yeah. put in their advertising material the. Rear side is on the front. The front side is on the rear, which is going to lend you an interesting sight picture. But I like it. Oh, it could be sure. innovative in nature. Absolutely. What was uh, all of you got to meet my dad? Yep. Yeah. What was your if his voice was working, he could jump in here and t- tell some stories. His character to say oh, the gosh. least. Agreed. Yeah. Every hunting camp needs one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Built-in entertainment. <laughs> Hell of a storyteller. For sure. Yep. I've lived. I've lived with that. Is there any that stick out, Andy? Uh, like I was telling you earlier today, your uh, retail sales operation you had at the age of eight where you got your first line of credit and weren't paying anybody back, which is, you know, in focusing on the profit, the gross sales, good. cash everywhere. Dude, <laughs> let me just actually, since I've got that's you, the Andrew, best. That's the best business. It's the Billy McFarland Fire Festival of candy, you know. Yep. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think I could go back and show, like, uh, 
prior technology for candy crushing. <laughs> for candy crushing? Yeah, because I was candy crushing on the playground like I, long I before. I, oh, yeah. I can't comment on that particular <laughs> client. Yeah. <laughs> As Plus, I represent them, but I just love you. Must have hit a crossroads where it's like, wait, should I pay for this candy? No, then no, I, I make never less hit money. That. No, I never <laughs> hit that crossroad. Just, just to uh, to give people a bit of a backstory, I can remember part of it, but my dad remembers all of it. But bottom line was, I remember going to the White Hen Pantry, and I remember my dad getting gas and telling the guy, just put it on my tab. So then. Fast forward a little while later, someone was on the playground. I had a box of nerds. They said, can I have some of the nerds? I said, no. And then they said, we'll pay you for them. And I, then I said, how much? And they just said, well, I don't know, quarter? And I said, no, 50 cents. And so I gave them a, hand, they gave them a full handful for 50 cents. And <laughs> someone else said, well, I'll take one too. And then I realized, okay, well, this box was only 25 cents now i've made a dollar so then that's when the wheels started turning and i realized if i bring a backpack of these nerds to school and start turning profit for everyone who doesn't want to eat their school lunch be rolling it yeah i'd be rolling in it so didn't he start his own line of credit though or yeah (laughs) (laughs) would have been better yet if he just kind of snuck it in on his yeah did i tell what did i tell the guy did I tell him that you were going to pay for it or something? I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember. Dumb and, yeah. dumb and dumber IOU style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> might want to hold on to that. Yeah, yeah. You might want That's to. for a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I had a I had an incredible uh, line of credit at the White Hen Pantry for nerds and Jolly Ranchers and Gummy Bears and was turning, like, Full fryer festival. <laughs> the <laughs> key is not to you, eat I mean, the inventory. If, if, if anybody wanted to know where influencer culture started, it <laughs> traced back to John Dudley on the playground. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and one box of nerds. Do you remember? Like I remember when nerds came out. Like I remember the first time I ate them, and I was like, "These are the best things." I don't remember when they came out, <laughs> I but I remember crushing that. boxes of them. Nerds were two sided boxes. Yep. So you could pick blue or red. Which <laughs> one do you want? Those were hot. Yeah, yeah fifty cents a side. In case anyone's wanting to know, we need to bring those back. They still sell them. Nerds were. I remember yeah, kids eating. Yeah, I just I liked how you had the, your money hidden in your room, like prepper style, yeah, like under the, the mattress, in the, in the in your case. pillowcase. Where else <laughs> yeah. did he have cash? Stuffed in his backpack. Surely he had some in his bowcase. Hey, yeah. don't, Dad, don't tell all the secrets. I might still have some there. Yeah, exactly. The, those type of <laughs> yeah, financial behaviors are hard. hard yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, what? Give him the headset. Yeah, give him the headset. Give him the headset. I don't want to call for it. Swing that mic over. There you go. Helicopter style. Yes, sir. Okay. Charlie Dudley, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Wait. Hold on. Which one is it? (laughs) 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 Not that one. Oh, sorry, Dad. Uh, Anyway, I remember this. Just when I thought that I had uh, probably uncovered most of these stashes, uh, one of his favorite animals, stuffed animals, um, it was a 
huge white monkey. Had red lips on him. <laughs> huge, huge, huge lips. <laughs> and, and, and big ears. And, um, and this oh, monkey, man. it was one of the first ones that had the batteries that were... That were snow, uh, sewed. Actually, now I remember the this back it, part. It, I into remember the, this into the back part, and you know you could flip the little switch, and he would talk and say stuff and whatever, wiggle his ears or wiggle something. And um, but those things wore out really quick. You know, it was a gimmick from from the get go, and. It had a little zipper back there where you had to zip it up, but you couldn't see it for the fur. But you could zip it open and put, um, I think it was a 9-volt a battery. Yeah, it was a 9-volt battery in there. But these things, the, wire, singles. the wiring harness, <laughs> wiring harnesses didn't last long. But anyway, um, he got this monkey when he was probably about four years old. And actually, I bought it for him. Or I won it in a poker game or something. I I don't know. Um, But anyway, he would always, at night, he'd want me to take this monkey. And he wanted me to talk. (laughs) He wanted the monkey to talk to him. So I would go like, okay, monkey, time to go to sleep. You know, and all this, you know, whatever. So anyway, monkey was three or four years old and and he'd been through the washing machine quite a bit which might explain why the damn battery never worked but anyway one day i was handling this monkey and cleaning his room up like i usually did and i felt this like bulge in the back of the monkey and i'm going like what is this going so i zip down the back lo and behold the corner of a $5 bill shows. <laughs> Look, there was a wad of money in that monkey that would have that would have gagged a Montana mule. <laughs> and that was kind of like the beginning of like, what is going on here? I mean, th- this kid's got more money than I do, you know. Um, but anyway, when I when I questioned him on it, he he really did not figure out how the money got there. To make a long story short, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And this was Saturday, and this man that owned the White Hen Pantry was standing in front of the door, and I opened it up. I can't remember his name, remember his face, but um, he said, uh, Charlie, I need to talk to you for a little bit. Have you got time? I said, yeah. Well, I'm standing there in my underwear, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, it's, it's about your son. Well, now, if you hear me say Paul, I kind of picked out the name. It's Jonathan Paul Dudley. You know, I wanted it to be like that, but uh, anyway, he changed it. I, so if I still call him Paul, you know who I'm talking about. So... You know, and he says, well, you know, Paul's, he comes out every morning and he's got this tab going on at the store. And I said, what kind of tab? He says, well, he comes in and he buys these products, just the candy. 
but it's every morning. And I really don't know what he's doing with it. And I said, well, you know, I don't have any idea about it. I'll have to question him. I said, well, how much is it? Let me let me get caught up here. You know, let's stop this tab thing going. And now, this was, I think, 1984 or 5, maybe. Yeah, maybe 85. And it was $23.58. And I still remember it <laughs> to this day. And I'm going like, uh, you know, okay. Which would equate to about 100 boxes of nerds. Mm -hmm. a, a lot. <laughs> but anyway. Times four. The, he ran out of places to, to hide money because he, he knew that I would find it probably because I had to clean his room. He, he just wouldn't do it. I was nine and a half in all fairness. And, you know, I had this thing with, um, I was still kind of in a little military mode back then. So I wanted everything high and tight. You know, I just <laughs> tell people that I, you know, I have my shit wired tight at all times. You know, I still do. But anyway, <laughs> the monkey was, uh, kind of the end of it. And, uh, and we that was just a project, financial project that kind of got nipped in the bud. But I'm still not really to this day sure if all that money was found. But uh, <laughs> and I was telling Andy, still I was telling un <clears throat> unaccounted for. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. But uh, that led from one story into another story that I shared with, and I'm not going to get into it because it just. You know, it's a never-ending story, but I, I, I got into a couple. The story of, of Dudley's life. <laughs> that's right, at least the beginning of it. But uh, there were some more stories that were kind of interesting, and I shared with Andy, as I said, you know, and I'm not going to go into it, but um, usually involved in things that were, um, I'd say misdemeanors. <laughs> uh, you know... But for some reason, it always worked out like this that I would get, I would get knocks on the door on Saturday mornings, and after a while, you know, you were talking about conditioned response a while ago. I'm going like, knock on the door, police. He's in trouble. What's he done? It's really been, you know, I'm very proud of my son. I I probably don't tell him enough, but he he knows that. Um. And I, before I give this back to Andrew, um, I've met some incredible people um, this weekend. And I hope, um, as I'm about to retire, I'm only working two days a week now. So hopefully I can become more of a, uh, of a part of the fraternity um, in my later years and you know, it really is good therapy to come out here and spend three or four days with these guys, and everybody's a phenomenal profession in what they do and just a really great bunch of people. And it makes me feel good to know that, you know, my son, my only son, um, this is who he works with, this is who he plays with, this is who they 
figure things out and how they help people. And um, that is that is a good feeling to have, uh, to be knowing that you're surrounded by people. And, and as he introduces me to, to people from all walks of life, you know, um, it helps me to to at least every once in a while think that maybe I did something right. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I did something right beside, you know, all, yeah. the, all the monkey and the BB guns and all that stuff. You <laughs> yeah. know. It all led to today, yep. this moment right now. <laughs> yeah, well, actually it did, you know. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I've never sat down and talked to anybody about it. But anyway, thanks. I feel, I've actually, there's there's been several really good friends of mine that have had challenges with their kids and they're and uh well i can't really i can't say a name but there there's one in particular that really really struggled and um and actually i've got several friends that have struggled with their kids during their their younger years and i've just looked at them and i'm like hey man don't don't give up hope because i'm just here to tell you i could not have possibly tried to be any worse you know i but in the end it's like i'm i'm actually thankful i got that out of my system before you were really capable of like doing damage to society and then you know you get to the point where you're like man i just you know i just don't you just get to the point where it's out of your system and i don't know i as much as i hear some of these stories and i think man that was a real turd thing to do well I'm glad it wasn't something on an adult level scale now, you know, so I'm, I'm thankful for those things. And you got, I mean, you got to do it. You got to go through (laughs) all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you have to, I mean, I think everybody, well, not everybody, but I think everybody at some form or another, whether it's a family member or a close friend, they have those people where you're like, man, 20 years ago, that guy was (laughs) so different. I'm a, you could, I'm, I'm much, you know, that, that, that story for me is not 20 years down, you know, in the past, more <laughs> recent, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, uh, you, you look back and it's just, it's, it's an amazing sort of way that life works. I mean, the, the whole, the, the entire reason that I'm sitting here with, with you <clears> all is that, uh, I listened to, uh, the cleared hot podcast of, I don't know, one of the first episodes when Andy was first just getting into bow hunting with Dudley and. Had a little experience with an elk and some missed shots. <laughs> Dude, you were, if no one knew you, they would think that you were on the edge of a of a steep building looking yeah. over the edge doing your last podcast yeah. after that elk hunt. <laughs> I've a, never seen a fatter lip than when I FaceTimed you after that hunt. <laughs> I think was, I told you that. I'm like, hey, don't trip on that front lip, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was pouting so hard. No, it was, but it it was, was amazing. It was less than that and more that I couldn't figure out why what had happened happened yeah, that's what wrecks me between the ears is when you do the same stuff and you like the definition of insanity is yeah. doing the same thing but getting what is it? No, expecting a different result after yeah. the same thing, yeah i was doing the same thing and getting a different result and that shit unhinges me yeah 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 how many opportunities do you have on that hunt I don't want to fucking talk about it yeah so this this <laughs> you should go back I and listen to five the- shots on different elk in one day well, and so as as a lifelong hunter who's had like tons of, you know, been very, like I said, been very fortunate, had a lot of experience. It's very easy, especially if you're by yourself, 
to come back into camp and be like, oh, no, I didn't see anything. When Meanwhile, you, like, completely shit the bed, honey. And, <laughs> and, and, and like, you just don't want to tell anybody. You know, yeah. like, you don't want to be that guy in camp. But the fact that he not only did that, but just, like, real, like, left no stone uncovered. <laughs> and I was listening to this going, oh, my God, like, this is cool. Like, I really responded to it because guess what? Like, I've heard every hunting story there is. Yeah. They all They all follow the same essential script. And so the way one just like, oh, you know, and so like there I was <laughs> and came over, you know, and so I just drew back and I was just holding for five minutes and like next thing you know, I was about to fuck, about to let down, you know, all that stuff. So it's just this like sob story of this hunt of Western hunting, which is very difficult with the bow. And so I sent him an email. I was like, hey man, like, uh, you don't know me from anybody, but, uh, if you would like to come hunt in South Texas, you know, I'd love to have you or something like that. And then like within five minutes, he's like. Cool, I'm down. <laughs> and, uh, so I was like, okay, great. And then so it just sort of relationship grew from that. And I've spent some time up in Montana with this family. And obviously, I was introduced to, to Dudley and now Andrew. And it's just, and Andrew's helping me with my business in Houston with legal stuff. And it's just an amazing sort of way it all sort of works. So, yeah, it's it's just the coolest, the coolest podcasting. Podcasting is really really neat, but <clears throat> for as much as sometimes the social media world is um dog shit yeah i mean it, i honestly can't say that i know a lot of people say that i can't say that because the number of negative things within at least within like the stuff that i'm doing it's i like it's not enough to put any kind of a to like imprint in me at, at all it's there's like so much positive and there's so many tags where I'm looking and they're like, my first ever 300, my biggest buck ever, my new PB. It's like, it's just, there's like so much good synergy to where it is good. But what's really cool about it is no different than all of us four met some way or another. And now we're like intertwined. There's people out there like, like uh Brad of all Brad's or Dayton Holloway that, literally we're following like knock on knock on nation and one of them walks into a a gymnasium where their kids are playing with a knock on hat and the other guy's like dude knock on dude and then they look at each other and recognize like bread of all bread oh you're dating and then you know and these people um just like the guy that i um called his name sir grunt but uh I did that podcast the last. Yeah, I think the last it was. A, I think it was the last one I did. It was. But you know, he even said the same thing. The amount of people that reach out and wholeheartedly help each other. It's just. It's like. It's really positive from that aspect. It's like if someone ever created that platform and all money aside of you know monetizing posts or whatever they're trying to do for their business. Yeah. From our perspective what's going on right now with us is a very, very positive thing where people with very, very similar likenesses are able to find people that can lift up what they're doing and like lift up their lives or oh, sure. But that, that or John, that comes from the, the top. monkey. I mean, yeah, I like think the prototype, right? yeah, the prototype yeah. that starts though with you, I think, and the positivity of your message and your willingness to help and that positivity flows through the community. And you see, you know, I've had folks reach out to me asking questions about this, that, or the other with a bow or an arrow. Or, you know, I've when you're live streaming and, and there's a question, yep. guys jump in. It's mm -hmm. just people are really, you know, you help us 
and and they want to help you and help each other. It's a great thing, and it, I think it's it really it, it's unique in 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 social media. I really think it is. I agree, hundred percent. Got any sound effects, Andy? Do you want? Let's see what they do. We'll go quiet. Oh wait, let's go one at a time. That you one where your you dad was just too perfect. So, so oh, this so one was so your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What a good this the symbology there. You know? What's this one do? <laughs> also could have been used. Ooh, mystery oh. theater. We should have added that in, like right when my dad's like, "I have another story to tell." <laughs> no, it's just like you just you, you yeah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> that's t- me turkey. Hey, hey, yeah, I was gonna say crickets. Uh, hey, Andy, what'd you hear today in your turkey blind? <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's this one. Oh, oh magical. That's getting removed. Wait, no, we're going to leave that. So I unzipped the back of this monkey, and there's a corner of a $5 bill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we haven't hit this one. (laughs) Canned laughter. There you go. The other one, the top left is like intro music. For Cleared Hot? No, I haven't put it in there yet. Well, who's it for? All right. That's some canned music right that there. Is. I like it. Yeah. Could you jam to this, Wes? I could, probably. You know, this is like, you know, no copyright infringement, just like basic, just, you know, <laughs> two chords, whatever, you know. We got to get you this board, Dud, so you could do like your knock-on intro or <coughs> No way. I'm only going to stick with stock. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that, too. Or I could have my dad do a different sound effect for each one. It seems boring now that that's over, though. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We should have had that song in the background the entire episode. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. All right. Well, hey, everybody. We're going to jump on for uh follow-up podcast with Barklow when we can grit- get him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, can't thank you guys enough. Hopefully, you enjoyed all of this uh Interesting time of storytelling. Yeah, oh, great. we got a we got a smile. Shaz is getting our picture. No one can see you, babe. <laughs> she, she as soon as we mentioned her, she was gonna duck out of the room, even though like you're gonna hear this a day later. All right. Well, everybody, appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, man, I don't know. Can't say anything but thanks because that's all I feel. Appreciate it. Knock on, everybody. See ya. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.